I would say to you that there's a lot of people who enter the industry because they're curious, not committed. We're in a performance-based business. We're paid for results, not by the hour. So the amount of hours you clock in an office doesn't mean anything to me. The number of signatures you got this week is how we keep score. And if you didn't get any signatures, you didn't do your job. And I don't know a more simple metric. And that's, um, and that's just doing the stuff that people know they should, but they're not. Welcome to In The Blue Zone, the real estate marketing podcast where difference makers and influencers from around Coldwell Banker discuss how to enjoy success, find inspiration, earn more money, and have fun building a business. Hello and welcome to another episode of In The Blue Zone with your hosts, Jeff Gagan, Madison Purvey, and Betsy Steck. Guys, we have a great guest this week. We have Chris Leader, all the way from the northern frozen wasteland of Canada, Ontario to be exact. Uh, one of our favorite folks here at Cold Banker Realty. He makes the rounds. He's everywhere in the country at once, it seems like, doing his trainings and his uh, coaching sessions. I get to meet an agent that doesn't love his stuff when they have been in the room with him. So I think this is going to be a rare treat for us. Uh, we do get him on every year or so to give us some kind of update on life and kind of reground us in business. Are you excited? Yes. So excited. Yeah. He never disappoints. And I'm, I spend too long. So I'm very, look, very much looking forward to hear what Chris Leader has to share with our agents. Well, I've heard, I've heard good things. And I'm also happy to be back from last week that I, that I missed. And so mm. let's do it. Absolutely. Without further ado, let's jump to Chris Leader. All right, we're here with Chris Leader. Chris, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Jeff. I'm really excited to be talking with you guys today. We know Chris for a long time, and uh, Chris is a great friend of Cold Banker Realty, uh, and we are very excited to get his take on things. But Chris, before we get started, I mean, for those of you that don't know you, tell us a little bit about you know who you are and what's your gig. Well. Real estate is my thing, and um, uh, it's the only thing I've ever really done. Right out of high school, at the age of 18, I got my real estate license. So this is 42 years with a real estate license coming up. I've experienced good markets and bad. Um, besides owning a real estate company, I also owned a mortgage brokerage, a property appraisal company, um, construction company, and a whole bunch of other things, all real estate related. So real estate sort of my thing, and um, it's where I've spent my entire working career, appraisals, mortgages, selling and teaching. And, and today I run a real estate training company. And for the last 25 years, I've traveled all around North America with one single mandate, and that is to make other people's businesses better. And that's sort of me in a nutshell. And you've been out to our area number of times to do yes, uh, absolutely. coaching and training with our agents as, as well as many other Cold Banker Realty uh, and also affiliates around the country. Yeah. Um, so you've got to have a lot of good stories, I'm sure. But, uh, you know, the, the question I'm really interested in, what are the, what are some of the things from your past that have shaped you where you are today? Because you mentioned such a diverse background, but well, you know, even just outside of the ownership thing, like, you know, what are the nuances there? I think probably the there's been a number of people who've had a major impact on my career and my thinking, but um, probably the one that stands out the most, the person I mentored and trained under and eventually worked for for some time was a fellow out of Detroit by the name of Floyd Wickman. Now, Floyd is 
elderly today and had a huge impact on a lot of people's careers. But I had the good fortune of working real close to him when he was sort of right on point. And I learned so much from being in that. Now, it's fair to say that a lot of the stuff we learned, you know, 25 years ago, 30 years ago may not be relevant, but there's so much to learn about the attitude of success and having an appetite and focus and discipline there. There are certain core values or core strengths that just never disappear. And those, if you were to ask me, were the things that Floyd taught me that stuck with me and made me a better instructor today before that. What would be, you know, an example of one of those, one of those lessons that Floyd taught you? Well, as working alongside him, for instance, our classes back then started at 10 o'clock in the morning, but he wanted us in the room at 7 a.m. And it was important to always be early, always be organized, always be prepared. So for every hour of classroom time I spent teaching, I was taught to spend an hour the previous day studying my notes, making sure that I understood the segues and the transitions, the content, so at such a deep level that you really brought tremendous value to the agent. So long and short of it, what he taught me was how to organize a classroom and how to deliver content, a lot of other things, how to frame a speech and a presentation and how to use humor and, and um, how to keep people's attention. Uh, but most of all, he had a big impact on my speaking business. And prior to that, he had a big impact on my sales career because that's where I really learned how to sell. And like maybe expanding on that, what are some of the habits that you formed early on that you firmly believe in today? Um, you've got, you're, very, you're probably somebody who's really attentive to personal habits and business. Uh, yeah, I mean, some of the things that stick with me even to this day, I, I, I think from a, a very broad stroke perspective, I always want to deliver more than somebody's money's worth. So I want people to get more than their money's worth with us. So our mandate is always to exceed people's ex expectations and deliver the unexpected. So after working with us, they're like, oh my God, I would have paid twice the price for this. This was like the best money I ever spent. So that's always been sort of the mantra of our company is to deliver that, that experience, that, that wow factor that exceeds people's expectations. And that's everything from making sure that the room is right, you know, the equipment is right, the delivery is right, our materials are where they're supposed to be. So the attention is always the, you know, it's always paying attention to the details. And if you look after the details, then everything comes off really well. So the big scheme of things, I just want, I want people to walk away from a training experience with us and not to be fluff, uh, not to be, um, you know, really high level, but I'm more of a boots on the ground, really everyday content delivery on how you build successful real estate practices. And after 42 years, the truth of the matter is I have more time behind me now than ahead of me. And I want to make sure I leave the industry better than I found it. And mm -hmm. everything that all of the people that had a major impact on my career all of the tips and tricks and insights that they gave me, I want to pass them on to the next generation. Uh, you know, you have a responsibility when people give you things to make sure that you pass it, pay it forward. So if you were asking me really what we're doing now is making sure we pay it forward and set up as many people for a successful career. And you know that small fingerprint you leave on their career isn't just on their career, it's on their family and their life. Mm -hmm. And you really don't even realize how many other people's lives you've affected by um, helping people become more successful. That's interesting because you mentioned, you know, exceeding expectations, which I instantly thought in my head, that's got to involve a huge amount of uh, creativity with you and your team, because you're always probably trying to think of something else to, to bring that wealth out. Oh yeah, we are, we get, uh, you know, we get up every day and that's probably one of the primary focuses is how do we make this experience better? And we've been doing this, some version of this for 25 years. 
but the program you see today is nothing like the program we started with 25 years ago. Every year it goes through major rewrites and updates. We eliminate content that's no longer relevant, add in all the new stuff. I mean, we we the, the program is constantly in flux. And um, but most of all, we want, like I said, we want people's careers to be positively affected by our relationship. So um, this was something I'm really curious to ask. Is there something that you can look back on as a real estate agent before you got into teaching that you would be almost embarrassed to say based on what you learned later as an instructor. You know, we all say we practice what we preach, but if we didn't know it <laughs> or we didn't, well, we, we took I some initial a, steps that weren't great. <laughs> a funny story, Jeff, to go along with that. I think when I first started in real estate after about nine months, it was evident to me I wasn't making enough money. Not only was um, it, it was 1981, interest rates were 21%. I was 18 and looked 14. Um, so, you know, a lot of a lot of challenges with that because buying a home is one of those big decisions we often look to people with life experience. So, and I literally was, you know, I had one day on duty. I had somebody walk into the office and ask to speak to my father. And I'm like, why would you want to speak to my father? He doesn't have a real estate license. And they said, well, you're not old enough to sell houses, so we need to talk to somebody who is. So that was some of the challenges. And then I think probably one of the things, and I tell this story from time to time, that was a career changer for me, was uh, probably around the end of my first year, I'd come to realize I wasn't making enough money. I was running out of my little nest egg that I had saved up and I had to get a part-time job. So, you know, today they call it a side hustle. Um, I got a job delivering pizzas in the evening. Uh, so in the daytime, I worked in real estate. At night, I delivered pizzas. I was maybe 19. And it was one of those moments in your life that, you know, you have to make a decision left or right because you're being, you're faced with a, you're faced with a choice. And I can remember listing someone's house for sale. And that evening when they called the restaurant, they ordered a pizza for delivery. And it was embarrassing. I was ashamed because I wanted to be a real estate professional and pulling up to somebody's door who listed their house earlier that day and, you know, giving them their pizza. I felt I felt I was embarrassed. You know, I, di I didn't feel like I was the professional that I needed to be. So I can remember, you know, ringing the doorbell and being embarrassed and the husband being a little confused at first when I gave him the pizza. And then I walked back <laughs> to my car and I looked back up at the house and I thought to myself that something needs to change because I'm not. I didn't get into real estate to deliver pizzas and obviously I'm not doing as well as I need to in real estate. Otherwise I wouldn't be delivering pizzas. And the reality was I wasn't doing the right things or the things that I knew I should be doing. I wasn't doing like I wasn't knocking on the doors. I wasn't making the calls. I wasn't calling the fizzbowls. I wasn't following up after my open houses. I was really kind of playing at the game of real estate. I wasn't really I wasn't really doing it. And yeah, I was showing up in the office, but then I was making excuses and getting caught up in the minutia of a real estate practice, but, you know, not doing the tough stuff. And the hardest thing to do in real estate is develop new relationships with strangers, however you want to do that. But you got to develop those relationships. So I thought to myself that evening, you know what, if you are going to fail at your real estate career, at least fail spectacularly because you tried your hardest. Don't fail miserably because you didn't give it as much effort as you should. So from that moment forth, I decided to knock on doors, call people, follow up after the open houses. And if I am guilty of anything today, I can be a tad bit aggressive. Um, but, you know, what I learned from that experience was I didn't want to deliver pizzas. I wanted to be a successful real estate agent and I needed to stop playing at it and start really committing, committing 
to the things we know. I mean, the box of truth in real estate is quite small. There's, you know, mm -hmm. after all these years, we build a lot of stuff around the peripheral edge, but the core, the core practical skills of our business have maintained pretty much the same. Um, you know, follow up with people uh, in real time in all of that stuff that goes along with being a successful agent. So that was always one of those pivotal moments in my life that I had to make a decision. I made the decision to go after real estate aggressively. And in the process, it wasn't long, probably within three years, I bought the brokerage I worked for. So, uh, you know, by 24, I owned the office. Um, and I did that because not because of my skills and not because I was naturally talented, but because I flipped the switch, basically my mind mentally and said, okay, enough, enough. If you're going to do this, do it. And then like anything, once you get started at something and it really starts to pick up some steam, starts to build up, you know, it starts to build. All of a sudden you look back over your shoulder and you think, where the heck did all this come from? And that's um, and that's just doing the stuff that people know they should, but they're not. Yeah. Hmm. That's a great story. So, yeah, this is this is really begs a question for me because we work with many agents and in our capacity as marketing team and you know, there's this I there's this sense that there's an ideal real estate agent out there that does there's a there's like I said the box of truth, and um, you know that there's certain activities that will make you successful. And I feel I get the sense over the years that a lot of agents that are well-meaning, um, but they don't see the job description clearly enough that they can grasp it and they can master it. So there's a lot, like I said, there's a lot of competing messaging out there in the real estate space trying to tell them this is how you make success this is it leads or or cold calls or open houses or whatever and so no one thing offers a you know a solution to becoming successful and a mindset doesn't seem like enough either because you don't have any raw material to work with you got to go out and get that raw material somehow as a business owner so like you know what would you say to somebody who has they want to do it they have this drive you're describing um but they just don't see the job description laid out for them in a way that they can grasp. Does that make sense, that question? Because it's like a, a sense of angst out there and newer agents. Well, I would say to you that there's a lot of people who enter the industry because they're curious, not committed, for starters. Once they truly understand what a real estate professional does, we're salespeople and we're sales professionals. We happen to sell real estate, but we're sales professionals. Um, the number one priority every day is to build new relationships or build relationships with new people and continue to expand your book of business. Um, as a coach and as a trainer, I remind people of that and I remind them to keep it simple. People often get confused with what work is. Showing up in our job, we, we're not in an hourly wage. We're in a performance-based business. We're paid for results, not by the hour. So the amount of hours you clock in an office doesn't mean anything to me. The number of signatures you got this week is how we keep score. And if you didn't get any signatures, you didn't do your job. And I don't know a more simple metric. So if I had an agent and I was managing an office and they were, you know, back and forth in the office, not doing anything, but they're in the office, I'd literally pull them in my office and say, what are you doing? And they'd be like, well, I'm working on this. I'm working on that. And I say, well, that's all great, but it's not any good unless you got some clients. So you need to tell me what you're going to do to find new relationships today. Are you going to call? Are you going to knock? Are you going to call Fizbo's? Are you going to call expired? Are you going to work your sphere? Are you going to do circle prospecting? But stop making excuses. You need appointments. So, um, you know, and we have a tendency to, to create all this fluff and all this static electricity. It's not that complicated. 
You know, if you don't have anything to do, sitting around working on your CRM system or looking at Facebook isn't getting you any listings. You need to go and you need to make the tough calls. And people say to me, well, I don't like doing that stuff. And then I say, well, you know what? Maybe real estate's not the career for you. Because at the end of the day, we're salespeople. And you, if you don't do the things I'm telling you to, you're gonna, and here, if you were asking me one, the, def, one, the one defining characteristic that people need to be successful, there's one thing, they gotta come to work. And when I say come to work, I don't mean physically show up in the building. I mean, they need to do the job. If you don't know what to do, I can teach you to do it. The question is, are you willing to do it? Once I show you what to do, then it's on you. And if you make excuses, then you're just not doing the job. So at the end of the day, I think that it's got nothing to do with how handsome people are or pretty. It's got nothing to do with their level of education. The world's full of educated derelicts. Um, it's got nothing to do with their social connections or their gift of gab or is even English their first language. I can tell if somebody's going to make it in the business. And when I ran my office, I could tell if they were going to make it. And as a teacher, I have a fairly good idea, but not as close a relationship as, say, an office manager would. When I tell you to come into the office at nine o'clock and start making calls, you come in and make calls. And if you make excuses, then you're not going to make commission. And if you don't make the excuses, even if you're not good at what to say, I can teach anybody as long as you're willing to come in and do the job. See, I think real estate's a great, a great equalizer. Doesn't matter how tall you are, how wide you are. It matters not how old you are, how young you are. What matters is, will you do what you're told and will you do it consistently every day? And um, the people that do, and, and I will tell you, Jeff, there are people that they're going to be successful with or without us. The only thing I can do is affect the timeline. So they can learn the short, they can get to the, where they're going much quicker if they come and, and do what I tell them to. But there are people who are going to be successful in this business. It might take them a little longer to get there and they're going to make some mistakes along the way that I could help navigate them out of. But I can shorten the curve. But most of all, I need, you need, we all need people to show up and do their job. Um, and if they do that, then we're going to have very successful real estate offices. Mm. That's a great segue, I think, into something new, which is the market we're in um, and, you know, overlaying on top of what we just discussed and the timeless truths, if you will. But, uh, you know, what is the today? What is today's market? What's your evaluation of where we are here in the beginning of fall 2022 um, and all the news that's out there, messaging is out there about the market? And what are your thoughts on agents and, and the market? I heard a great quote this morning, and I believe it's an old Caldwell Banker quote back from 2009. Ooh, think about that. For the buyer to say, wow, the seller has to say, ouch. And I thought that was spot on today. Listen, it's not November 2021. That was then. This is now. Uh, the market has changed. But here's the thing about change for real estate agents. It's not what the market's changed to. It's the fact that it's changed. You see, the one thing I can tell you after 42 years, this is not the first bear market or bull market that we're going to see. We're going to see them. They come and they go in cycles. The hardest part for real estate agents is they get used to going where they always did to get what business they got for the last two or three years. Now, the business is there. It's just moved to a different part of the market. And they keep going back doing what they did, and it's not working as effectively. So what you need to do is you need to move them in the direction of where the business is today. And that has to do with changing a buyer's perception. You know, right now the sellers want what their neighbors got last November. And we know we're not there anymore. 
So what we need to do, and the challenge with us as an industry is we work with so much lag data instead of lead data. Mm -hmm. So we need to get really good lead data, what's happening in the marketplace right now, and help our sellers adjust the price accordingly. Remember, it's an apples to apples market. So, you know, it's not like the market just went down on $400,000 homes. It went down on all the different price ranges. So, you know, you're going to you're going to pay you're going to get a little less for your house, but you're going to pay a little bit less. People could argue. And I heard this from a lady last week in one of my cities at the, at the Starbucks counter when she found out what I did. She said, oh, my God, interest rates are so high. And I'm like, hi. I've seen high and this ain't high. High is 21 percent. This is a deal. And she said, but, you know, they've, they've doubled since last year. And I said, yeah, you saw you saw something you're never going to see in your lifetime again. Yeah. You saw historic low interest rates based on a hundred year, 100 year flu. Basically, the last time we had that was the Spanish flu in 1918. So, yeah, mm -hmm. the economy was affected by it. But we're going to fall back into a rate. Listen, I don't know what market we're talking to at this moment, because you say the podcast goes all over the country. <laughs> but even if you got 30 or 40 days worth of inventory, you're still inside seller controlled territory, way inside seller controlled territory. Until we top the 90 day mark, we're still in an area that the sellers have most of the influence in the conversation. We just need to get the agents to change their talk tracks going into these negotiations or discussions. We just gotta get the, the sellers to give up a little bit and get repositioned. And we gotta get the buyers to be, you know, come back to the table now, there's more selection. Sellers are compromising a little bit, not a lot. They don't need to, a little bit. So where they were, they you know, where we were using the urgency close before, if you don't buy it this afternoon, 10 other people are going to buy it. Might not be the case. You know, the, the, um, the, the millennials like to call it FOMO, but we've been using the urgency close long before I got into real estate. <laughs> so um, in saying that, um, so we just got to get them, just got, you just got to change the talk tracks a little bit, but there's going to be lots of business out there. You got to get up every day and work for it. And um, and again, just when you get comfortable with this new market, something else is going to happen and you're going to change the market again. That's real estate. That's why it's exciting to be in our business because it's changing. It's yeah. the change that's hard, not what we're changing to. I like what you said there about how you, I think you, the way you said it was maybe you used a different word, but you kind of have to educate your sellers and, and give them the market data that they need so they can recognize that not just say to them oh you're not going to get what your neighbor got last year but if you can educate them on that and that is always i think where the real estate agents sweet spot and value is is to to lead their client to lead their seller or buyer and give them the information they need to make the best decision regardless of the market like you said the opportunity has shifted i've talked to real estate agents now and they say in, in a sense, this market is better for them because they're not putting in four or five offers on, on their buyer. You know, they're actually getting paid for their work now. So, I mean, you think about that. So the opportunity that, that this, the, you know, the deals are still there, the transactions are still there, the closings are still there. Um, it might just be fewer deals falling through. So you're making more money on your on your time. Maybe. I think some of the agents that were used to running as fast as they could to get an offer in front of the seller as quickly as they could are now finding this whole change in in talk tracks and scripting a little mm -hmm. bit complicated, but they'll adjust. Mm -hmm. You know, always when it comes to, I'm going to say always, maybe not always, but pretty much most of the time when somebody sells a house, they're divesting of an asset and there's a mathematical and emotional process that goes along with it. But don't lose sight of the fact that you're divesting of one asset to buy, buy a home that they really like. So mm -hmm. if you want people to sell their house, 
you got to keep them connected to what they want to buy. Remember, mm -hmm. the why is always real important. When the why is powerful, they're pliable on price. When the why is weak, they're going to be sky high on price. So motivation goes up, price comes down. Motivation goes down, price goes up. What we're looking for is to prospect every day for people who are seriously committed to making a move, not somebody who's flirting with the idea. So we want people who are like, no, no, we're moving. Now you need to work every day to find those people because when you do, yeah, they'll, they'll still be a little resistant, but at the same time, all of your stuff, you're going to be attaching them to the new house where they're going and you'll be looking at uh, what they're selling and they're going to be a little more pliable because they want to go somewhere. You know, they've got something in their mind, but we as agents tend to split the transactions in two. We look at it very logically from the seller's side, and I get there needs to be some logic in it because we are looking at the divesting of an asset. But if you want them to divest of that asset, you got to keep them emotionally connected to the next place they're going. So it's the psychology of human beings. That's that's a really good point about prospecting for people that have a real desire to sell because I think that's one of the things that trips up new agents. I know I fell for that a few times when I was a new agent and I got stuck with a guy who wanted to get what he could out of the market and, and it was just a negative experience because he ended up not yeah. even listening because I couldn't bring him the buyer that he wanted. And it was just like it made the whole it was one of those take the whole business down a tick for me as a new agent or actually was in the business for a couple of years at that point. So it's like, so you're an agent and you want to go prospect for people that are serious or have serious plans in the future. So those people are more, more negotiable on price, more real world thinking. They're more attached to the next. How do you do? What's your tool? What's your best arsenal as an agent who's going out this morning to contact people to find those people and filter them out and then feed them information that's going to make them to build that desire, if you will, or fuel the desire? Well, there's a couple of a couple of talking points that I try to build into a conversation. Like, for instance, when I'm making my initial prospecting calls, one of the talk tracks would be, you know, have you guys thought about selling? Not right now. Just out of curiosity, if you did, where would you go? You know, that sort of thing. Just I have one quick question for you, Jeff. If there's one thing you could change about the current house, what would it be? You know, once you open that, that you once you get that con that question answered, that will open that door because now their mind, uh, you know, let's pretend. If there's one thing you could change about your house, what would it be? And everybody would change one thing. Mm -hmm. And if you could do that, now you've opened the doorway to emotionally considering other options in terms of residences. Hey, listen, I don't think you both should make a decision um, about something as important as your house over the phone, but it sounds like you guys would be at least interested in finding out what your home might sell for. Why don't we get together, have a coffee? You can kind of show me through and show me all of the upgrades you've done to it. Uh, and you know what? Even if we decide now is not the right time for you, what I'd like to do is put you on our um, new our um, market report for your area and make sure we keep you up to speed on what is happening in the market. Because no matter if you're selling or not, everybody's got a big investment in their principal residence. And we want to make sure you know where yours is all the time. Yeah, I love that. That reminds me of our Coba Banker. We, we did a really amazing ad campaign this year, uh, the dream campaign about where if you could live anywhere, where would you live? Um, you saw those videos, the, the ad campaign they've run this year, but it really put their finger on exactly what you're describing. Cool. I really like that. If you could change one thing about your house, because uh, I I probably could have answered that question five years before I moved and I wasn't ready to, oh, no, I'm never moving, you know, but yeah. I, and then if you can get somebody thinking about that and get, you know, if it's a couple, get both of them thinking about it, because that's sometimes the disconnect, then yeah, I like that. I found that. It's That's, yeah, I, I think it's right. Yeah. So I think if you do that every day, 
you guys are, you know, the agents are going to have appointments. Appointments are going to turn, some of them are turned to listings. Some of the listings will turn to commission checks and, and then they just get better at refining their skills. Hmm. This yeah. may lead into something borrowed, but it, it sounds like you have, you know, you're, you're consistent with, you know, these, uh, these scripts. So the, the way to say something that can, that there's a level of communication that can uh, lead to a certain conversation. It sounds like you kind of are you know, appreciative of that. Um, was that something that took you a while to learn, like these different types of scripts for different situations at different yeah. times? I mean, when I was when I was learning to um, internalize the dialogue scripts, talk tracks, objection handling techniques, I was listening to, and I'm going to date myself, um, audio cassettes on a Walkman. And um, <laughs> today we would, you know, do digital downloads from the cloud. But repetition is how we learn that stuff. So the best thing to do is listen to your scripts over and over and over again. When you're going for a walk with the dog, you listen with your scripts. When you're going to the gym, you, you listen to your scripts. You know, uh, when you're in the car driving, you listen to your scripts. If your career is important to you, then you need to internalize those because you'll find that the same situations come up over and over again. And once you kind of have that down, now there's more to learning to be a master salesperson than just scripts, talk tracks and presentations. Um, one of the things I've been very interested in, uh, I started on a bit of a, a quest during the virus was I got certified in neuro-linguistic programming mm -hmm. and I wanted to understand how the English language, uh, you know, how to, how to interpret the English language and what people are actually saying, not just in the words they use. Uh, that led me to behavioral profiling, which I'm really quite interested in now. So that's kind of my thing where I am now. And in the process of all of that, I got certified as a hypnotist on top of it. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I I figured there's got to be something to this as well. So I'm I'm really into the whole psychology of human beings and and trying to understand certain tells that people have. Seventy percent of communication is nonverbal. So I think your basic good salesperson masters your basic communication skills. But the next level up is when you start to recognize people's um, tells. People have tells. So if I put an offer in front of you, for instance, if I'm close enough, I can tell if you like it because your pupils will dilate. If you're not telling me the truth, there's something called the Pinocchio effect. The end of your nose starts to change color when you're lying to me. <laughs> when you look up to the left, you are tapping into the creative side of your brain. Uh, and you're seeing whatever you're looking at in your mind in pictures. If you look to the center, you're hearing it in your mind. And if you look down to the left, you're feeling it. And the same thing can be said on the right side um, in terms of the emotional side of our brain, our creativity side. So there are all kinds of tells. And I don't want to sound sexist, but when a woman's anxious and you're talking to her, she'll blush here in her neck. And that tells you that you need to change the conversation. There's things like we often in a relationship think the person doing the talking is the one making the decisions, but there are things called confirmation glances. And if you read the room properly, you'll see the quiet one is the one who gives you that sort of nod. And they're the one who's pulling, you know, they're the one who's the puppet master, not the uh, not the person doing the talking. Mm -hmm. So I'm quite interested in all of this. And that's kind of elevating that skill set to another level. You know, I'm watching eye movements and body language and how people sit up when they talk and different things. You can learn a lot. Like I said, 70% of communication is nonverbal. So understanding that when you're communicating with people during a listing presentation, you know, uh, have you got their attention? What do they like? What don't they like? That sort of stuff. So. So I'm curious how much of that are, have you incorporated or are you incorporating into your, uh, your training that's coming up in the next year? 
it's making its way in there. Like everything I learn, it starts to edge its way in. Maybe not. Um, there are there are some talking points in there now, and the basic basic um, reads in terms of looking at somebody and understanding what they're saying to you when they're not talking. So I have built uh, maybe three slides into the presentation right now. Um, the thing I have to be careful about is that's really going deep into a con into content that's beyond the scope of an average salesperson. Yeah. So yeah. I'm more likely, you know, that's like a master class and I'm not, uh, i tell you what I am working on. I have been, um, we, Tina and I have been writing a new talk. It's called Persuasion 2.0. And what okay. I want to do is use that for convention work, like 45 minutes on the main stage. And these are the 10 things that your your clients are telling you that you might be missing sort of thing, you know? I like that. Um, yeah, yeah, so I think that's going to be fascinating. Uh, but we're still in the very early draft stages of that. Uh, and some of it will make its way into our class. But like I said, it's really a master class at a completely different level. Well, as soon as you started talking about that, it was intriguing to me. And I, my, my initial thought was, how do we get some of that? <laughs> After I'm, so I'm, I'm in one program right now and I get done that one, I don't know if I'll take the second one or not. If you take the second program in the series that I'm in, um, I have to send in my application resume and I have to go in for an interview because it's the same skill set that the CIA or the FBI would use in terms of the training level to read people. So it's the sort of thing maybe a jury consultant would use if you were choosing jury selection for, you know, that sort of stuff. So this is all fascinating to me. And I um, so one of the things you'll find about me is I'm always learning. After 42 years, I'm still learning. You know, I uh, I'm taking courses. I got like I said, I, I during the virus, I actually had the person come to my house and work with me to certify me in neurolinguistic programming. And then I had the hypnotist come to my house and work with me for weeks to certify me as a hypnotist. The hardest part was finding people to hypnotize. Nobody wants you to hypnotize them. So um, but I figured if I could use a little bit of that in my classes, maybe I could hypnotize them into going out and getting more listings. Right. So, you know, I'm, 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 I'm working it. I'm working it. That's a problem with hypnotizing too. They say you ha it's hard to hip you can't hypnotize somebody who doesn't want to be hypnotized, right? That's what they you have say. to be a willing participant. It's interesting. So that that really answers your something borrowed, which is what you're, you know, what are you learning right now? And I think that's that's pretty good. Um, I would I, just, I would add on some of that tell stuff that people that have been in this business a while know a lot of that intuitively. Uh, you know, if you've done enough listing presentations, you know, if you've taught enough small groups in an office environment, you you pick up on a lot of that stuff. And if someone put their finger on it, you'd be like, oh, I see that all the time. You know, I do. You know, I see the I see them when the wife blushes or when the husband, you know, looks at the wife and the wife nods. Like I, they know that anecdotally. And a lot of them, when they pick it up over 10, 15 years, they they know to shift gears or to take pull back that comment and go in a different direction because it's just sales. It's not sales one on one. It's like sales three hundred one. But you got to actually do the time to get to the place where you see enough people to pick up on the trends. It takes dozens, if not hundreds of appointments. I, you know, you're absolutely right, Jeff, because a lot of the stuff I already knew, but I knew it intuitively. And now I'm formally understanding what I'm seeing and I'm acknowledging it formally. Like when you were talking a minute ago, you looked up to the left. So I knew you were tap tapping into the creative side of your brain while you were talking to me. So guilty. He does that a lot. <laughs> So you are, uh, you know, so you're, you're, it's just little things like that. But I, we already, we always knew that. So I think we knew, I knew that as a salesperson, because you pick up on people's, and, and I know it sounds ambiguous, but pick up on their energy and you mm -hmm. know how to navigate the conversation based on, you know, the feeling you're getting. And I think taking these courses is what it's done is helped me un apply structure to something I probably already knew intuitively. Yeah. Yeah. Puts a label on it. That's yeah. Cool. Yeah. Is there anything like since we're on the topic of borrowed 
and you're talking about classes that you're taking and people that came to your home, but are there any resources that an agent could get their hands on? Is there any an author or a podcast or anything on these subjects that you could recommend? I do. I have a bunch of books on my desk downstairs, but I, as you can see, I'm in the living room, so I don't have them sitting here next to me. Um, but again, anything on a cold read, a topic cold read, that's you know one of the things you would look at cold read, or there's something called the seven minute x-ray where you can take a look at it, and, you know, and it's a book that you can go through. Um, but uh, yeah, so, but uh, that, it's just been, a, it's been a, an interest of mine. I think it falls right into the category of salesperson and, um, uh, and it just works. It works at a higher level, deeper level, deeper understanding of what I'm seeing. Great. That's helpful. Thanks. All right. Well, last section, something blue. If you've got lots of stories about Cold Banker or, uh, you know, something you can relate to the audience, uh, you know, just, I don't know. I know you you guys at Leader, Views Edge are very attuned to our tools at Cold Banker. Uh, you know, Moxie Works, Listing Concierge, the, all the works there, Cold Realty, that sort of thing. But is there something that really, when I say that, comes to mind right away as something that you when you're in a room with a bunch of agents you get you get that you know sense of untapped or maybe tapped and people love it um like what well, are your first thoughts of all, I'd, I'd say to you that my calendar is pretty much being filled up with cobalt bankers so i am blessed to have you as a client um you guys are moving me from city to city quarter to quarter and it's working for all parties. So now we're working with Guaranteed Rate Affinity, we're working with Cobalt uh, CBR and ourselves. And so I would say to you that one of the great resources that you have that you have to constantly work at, and I know I'm, I'm, I'm singing from the same song sheet as you guys, but your toolbox is amazing. Really, really amazing. The quality of the tools in the toolbox. The hardest part is the adoption of those tools and getting the agents to use them because they are really good tools. So I think that is really important. Um, and I think that for, as far as one of the defining differences for Caldwell Banker, it is that toolbox and it is the management that the offices have. Um, the managers care. You're not a hundred percent house, it's really a partnership. And the more the agents sell, the more the company does better. And you can see that in your relationships. So anybody who's with Caldwell Banker, in my opinion, is in the right space. And probably the last resource I would bring up that's really not a CBR resource, but it's ours, and we like to share it with you guys all the time. Please do. Uh, and it goes through revisions. We've just did facial facial recognition on it from a, pa a password perspective, which was a big upgrade for us. Um, but the Agent Success app, and you can find it in the App Store if you use an iPhone, or you can find it in Google Play if you use an Android. And again, it's called Agent Success app. And when it comes up on the... Um, on, in the app store, it'll be a cloud with a little house in it. And really what it is, it's a digital coach. Mm -hmm. And accountability is key from a revenue perspective to understand what are you doing and what you're not doing and what you are doing that's working and what you're not doing that's not working. Those data points will help you refine it. We use it in our coaching program. There's no advertising, there's no cost, it's free. Um, we probably have about 10,000 Cobalt Banker agents on it right now that are using mm -hmm. it. Um, and the managers can use it if, as an accountability tool. You guys could use it in um, uh, when you do that. What's that? Um, uh, you could use it in the leaders program. You guys could use it in your AMP. 
if you wanted to and introduce it to the agents. Uh, but it's a great resource for the agents to, once they put their numbers in, think of it like a Fitbit for real estate agents. Mm. If you tell it how much you want to make, it'll tell you what you have to do every day and where you are in relationship to that goal. So a little bit of self-promotion there, but like, again, it's free and it's good for you guys. Hey, no problem. And you said it before, you are a salesman at heart, right? So. <laughs> yes, yes, I am. I am a salesman. Yeah. And there's always Leaders Edge coaching. Yes, we we, uh, we have uh, fabulous coaches, which I think I'm most proud of. I'm, I'm not a celebrity coaching company. Um, our coaches are made up of retired Caldwell Banker managers and RVPs. So if you guys are ever retiring out a manager or an RVP, let me know because they make really great coaches. They know how to persuade people to do things uh, that they should be doing. So, uh, and I just had a conversation before you guys with a, a retiring, a retired RVP out in California, for instance, and um, she'll be coming on as a luxury coach. So we're pretty excited about that. So yeah, we have a great coaching team. Yeah. That's great. So in, in closing, I'm curious what your, you know, to someone who's listened thus far in the podcast, what would be your words of encouragement to them as they go forth this fall? Real estate's a career, not a job. And you have to be patient. Um, we don't build successful careers overnight. Uh, we also will have many challenges in, throughout our career. The career was never meant to be easy. It was supposed to be engaging and interesting. And um, uh, so you need to face those challenges head on. Whatever struggles you're experiencing, I want you to know as a 42-year veteran in the business, always say to yourself, no matter how tough the day is, this too will pass. And I promise you it will. And from your toughest challenges will come your greatest growth as a salesperson. And that's where you're going to really learn. So the market's changed. You're going to have to change with it. And going through those changes will be uncomfortable, but you'll be better for it. And when you get through the other side, you're going to have, you're going to be able to say to people, well, you know, you should have been here during the virus or you should have been here when <laughs> this happened or that. You know, you'll be one of the ones that, you know, has seen it all. But you can't. You got to experience it. And um, and like I said, it was never meant to be easy. It was meant to be interesting. So I hope that you will be blessed with an interesting career. Uh, <laughs> there will uh, be days when you don't you you don't have any money and there will be days when you have so much money, you don't know how to spend it. And um, that's the life of a sales professional. Very good. Well, how can people find you, Chris? Ah, we are easy to find leadersedgetraining.com. And um, we have a very responsive team. You can email us there. You can look us up online there. You can call us. And I promise you, we will be back to you right away. That's sort of um, the way we do business. And you're on the social webs too these days. I've seen a lot of nice posts from you guys. Yes. Um, we've been working on our social media and, again, always trying to get better. Um, I've just brought on a new social media um, trainer. And uh, she'll be working in coaching and training. She'll do one of my classes now, the one social media class that we teach. I was so impressed with this young lady, Caldwell Banker agent out of um, Los Angeles. And she's just, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but she is great. Um, so she is, um, she's really, really knows her way around social media. We've uh, had her in a couple of our classes last week to rave reviews. So I'm hoping our relationship continues. Um, and that's going to even elevate our program to another level again. Great. Yeah. Cool. Well, Chris, it's been great having you on. As always. To see all of you guys. Uh, north awesome. of the border. 
Hopefully yes. we'll see you in person soon. And uh, thanks for being on. All right. Say hello to everybody in Pennsylvania for us. Will do. And New Jersey and Delaware. And Jersey and <laughs> Delaware. You're right. Thank you, Cobalt Banker, for all the work from all of us at Leaders Edge. Thank you, Chris. Well, I'd say that was probably one of my favorite interviews so far. You guys have had the opportunity to meet Chris in person and have different trainings with him. And that was my first time really getting to know him. And um, he did not fail to deliver. Um, I think that he had made some really great points. And one of the ones that I think stood out most to me was just about, you know, having that drive as an agent and having that work ethic that what's going to get you to that level that you want to be at. But at the same time, you know, he brought up where he comes in is also training people on realizing what you're not doing, right? You can have that that drive and that passion and motivation to want to do better, but if you don't know what you're not doing right or what you're not doing or not doing as well as you possibly can, then you're not going to get to that exact goal that you want to hit. And I think that's where he was talking about where he can come into hand and other people around you can come into hand. Um, that was a really cool point that he, that he had made. Yeah, and I think that's good what you said about other people around you. I think just asking people around you that are more experienced, what am I not doing that I should be doing? You know, um, because because I liked what he said about how you can be you can busy in real estate, but are you doing the right things? But the other thing that I thought was really profound was he talked about selling a house is the vesting of an asset so that you can buy the home you really like. And we often, I know I'm guilty of this, forgetting that the seller is having an emotional experience too. You know, buyers buy on emotion and that's why we do staging and all of those things. But to sellers, it's it's an emotional experience, divesting of the home that they've lived in, but there's a reason for it. And so the more you can focus on that and help them stay on track. So if they're insulted by an offer or they're insulted by some process of the negotiation that you can help them stay on track by reminding them of their, of their goals. And I know that's something we all intuitively know, but I just really like the way he said that to keep connected to their why and the emotional part of their why. And he said, when the why is high, you know, then the motivation is up and you can, you can get them more easily where they want to go and you can overcome those hurdles. So I think that's really important to keep in mind is your seller's why. And I feel like, you know, that's just sales one-on-one, right? Increasing the motivation, increasing that why is going to have more of a chance of that sale. And what was it, the question that he gets in on? What was like, if there's one thing you could change about this home, what would it be, right? That's what he said. And I yes. think that's a, that's a great non-intrusive way because everyone has something about their home they probably would want changed. It's, it's not a rude question, but it's a good yeah. way to kind of get your little, your foot in the door in that conversation and then change that emotional thinking. Yes, yeah, it's, it's making them think about what they're moving to instead of what they're moving from. Yeah. Yeah, and I like the way he described the, the business and the market that we're in and how, you know, the business is still there. It's just moved to a different area. And I kind of expected him to say that, to be honest, because he's not going to give anybody a pass for a down market. Uh, you know, the, the hustle has to be there and you have to, you know, go out and find find your business. Uh, the business hasn't disappeared. It's just gone to a different place. And, you know, he was talking about how, you know, the easy sale might be drying up a little bit as a buyer, but that gives you opportunities to, you know, to dig in further and, and ties to what you said, Betsy, about the, you know, creating the demand in someone's mind by asking the right questions 
And so prospecting never goes out of style. You know, I know agents listening to this don't want to hear that because they don't want to prospect, but, you know, looking for a new business is prospecting and it's not always cold calls at dinner. It can be, you know, talking to your sphere, asking the question, uh, you know, following up with people. I was on a call with an agent this morning doing a marketing session and she talked about how she's going through a database and she's realizing as she goes through it, how few people in her own database of past sales she's keeping up with like long term and so that was a realization she came to on her own while going through the database and i think we all could benefit from that type of uh navel gazing so uh, <laughs> you know and the way yeah. he said it too the hardest part of real estate is making new relationships making relationships with strangers and that isn't always, I mean, it can be cold calling or door knocking, but it can be showing up at the neighborhood event and being more outgoing, starting conversations, asking questions. Where do you live? Where do you work? You know, just just building relationships and um, every, everybody can do that. It's just orienting your thinking when you're out in public, orienting it toward others and toward building relationships. And then to what you just said, Jeff, is you know, talking with an agent who's looking at their database and realizing how few people they're staying in touch with so i think it can be not just starting creating relationships with strangers but also taking those people that you have a, a kind of superficial or cold relationship with and warming it up you know so those are those aren't cold phone calls but they're helping people move into a warmer zone or your relationship move into a warmer zone yeah and that kind of goes into what he was saying because he had a uh interesting perspective um, on, you know, the changing market, right? He said, it's not bad. It's not changing and it's bad. It's just changing. And that's going to make people feel uncomfortable sometimes. And just because something changes doesn't mean that the market or the, the sales opportunities aren't still there. And, you know, and how to find them is like what you just said, Betsy. It's the, the warming up of the cold, the cold relationships, or it's developing a new relationship in general. And I think that was just an interesting way for, uh, to think about the change because the changing market right now is you know having some people on their toes, but that was a nice perspective to hear. Yeah, it reminds me too of prior podcast guests where we had where people talked about they were uncomfortable with social media, but they did it anyway. And you know, you hear a lot of people in real estate, some people saying oh, I'm uncomfortable with door knocking or I'm comfortable with cold calling or I'm, I'm uncomfortable with putting myself out there. You kind of just have to do it anyway, however you do it, that's authentic to you because that's part of the business. And he went as far as saying that this is a sales business. And if you're not comfortable with that, then you may be in the wrong business, um, but you can find a way to do it. That's authentic to you. I do think that that is true. If it feels salesy to you, you probably are doing it wrong. If you can look at it, like just building relationships, authentic relationships, and more of them and really caring about people, then it doesn't need to turn into something creepy. <laughs> and on that note, we're happy to bring this episode to a conclusion and hope you really enjoyed it. And we look forward to seeing you next time in the Blue Zone. <laughs>